Welcome to Cisco Champion Radio. Today we'll be talking about Wi-Fi 6 with Fred Niehaus. Our Cisco Champion hosts today are Roel Dionisio, Francois Verges, and Gurpreet Singh. As for me, I'm Brett Shore from the Cisco Marketing Team, and I'll be playing the part of moderator. Fred, if you can introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at Cisco, that'd be a great start. Sure, be happy to. My, my name is Fred Niehaus, and I've been with Cisco since 2000. 2000 is when Cisco, about long about... Oh, 1999, 2000, that's when Wi-Fi, it wasn't called Wi-Fi then, it's called something else, broke the 10 meg Ethernet barrier. When we busted 10 meg and went with an 11 megabit Wi-Fi device, we showed it to Microsoft, they go, oh, you guys rock. All of a sudden, this little company called Cisco Systems put their nose up in the air and goes, who rocks? And, and then they acquired us, right? So, <laughs> so I've been with Cisco since 2000, day of acquisition, and my seniority all the way back to about 1993, I was doing wire, wireless, so all that kind of holds. Great. Now, now let's start with our, our hosts here. Francois, if you can give us a brief overview who you are, where you are, and what you do. All right. So I'm Francois. I work as a Wi-Fi engineer uh, in Canada, and um, I also co-host a Wi-Fi podcast called the Clear to Stand with Rowell. Um, and so we like to just talk Wi-Fi all the time. Awesome. Rowell, your turn. All right, my turn. My name is Roel Dionisio. I work in higher education doing Wi-Fi and also some wired networking. So I touch all aspects of the network. And yeah, I co-host with Francois. Great. Gurpreet, your turn. Sure. Hi, uh, everybody. So my name is Gurpreet Singh. Uh, I work for uh, AWAR in uh, Canada, Toronto, and I'm mainly focused through wireless uh, on different aspects uh, of like we do education, uh, we do warehouses and pretty much test different uh, aspects. Wherever Wi-Fi fits in, I'm, we have a project for that. <laughs> Fantastic. Now we pass this back over to Francois to kick this off. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Brett. So, uh, Fred, you know, you've been, you've been dealing with the access points and Wi-Fi for a long time now. Uh, when it comes to Wi-Fi 6 and the new, the new stuff, uh, what are you most excited about when it comes to Wi-Fi 6 and the, the core technology? Well, you hear a lot about, you know, 5G, 5G happening, things like that. Well, if you think about what Wi-Fi 6 is. It, you know, about two years ago, sometimes people would say, you know, if I turn off my Wi-Fi on my phone, I just use my cellular, it seems to be faster. Why is that? Because cell the cellular industry, they buy those frequencies for millions and millions of dollars. So they use every microsecond on the air they want it to be efficient, right? Well, Wi-Fi 5 or 11AC was all about very high throughput. Now I gotta go really fast, but it had nothing to do with latency. Right, and the thing is, is, is if you have latency in your network, you're waiting for that screen to refresh. You're waiting for that voice that's choppy, right? And what what Wi-Fi six gives you is a new thing called OFDMA, and it cuts latency all the way down. I can explain a little bit how that works, but that's one of the great things about. It. The other thing is, is IoT and 2.4 gig. A lot of times they say 2.4 gig is oh junk band. You know, we do everything at five gig because you only have three channels, one, six, and 11. There's a new thing called BSS coloring that allows you to basically channel reuse and tells the client, look, I'm gonna reward you if you turn your power down. You know, the worst thing in a Wi-Fi network is clients that are transmitting at the most highest power possible and making everybody wait for their turn to talk. If I can reward a client and say, lower your power, I'll let you go now. And if I can create coloring like that, I can do that. So, so the things in Wi-Fi 6, are basically, if you think about 5G, we're ahead of the game with 5G. We've got a lot of the things that's in 5G is in Wi-Fi 6 and available today. In fact, we're, you know, we've got products now that we're releasing that address that, that issue. 
Okay, awesome. Yeah, I was actually attending a talk on 5G this morning and they were, the big deal was latency. Like they wanted to reduce latency and, and they were talking about that. Okay. Uh, so OFDMA and, and BSS scoring, it's pretty much the, the top, on the top of the list for you in terms of... It is. If, you're, if your IoT and your whole life lives on a coin cell, <laughs> you know, if you're, yeah. if you're a small battery, then, then you're worried about battery savings, right? There's a lot of things in, in, in Wi-Fi 6 with this target wait time where I, I can basically put something to sleep and wake it up at, you know, at a later time, a scheduling. Yeah. So, so if I'm a telemetry, a device and it's a coin cell and, I, and maybe I'm doing temperature, I'm keeping track of temperature. What I might want to do is put a device to sleep for that day, wake it up either one at a time, give me the temperature, give me the, the telemetry, or wake them all up. Well, with Wi-Fi 6, I can do a target wake. I can wake you up as an individual, or I can wake up an entire group of people, get their data, shut them back to sleep again. So battery life is a big deal, and, and so is, is OFDMA and, and latency. Okay, so when, when you read the, uh, the draft from the IEEE and the 802.11ax specs, you can see that uh, the IEEE is, is introducing a lot of uh, new features to the, uh, the Wi-Fi 6 uh, um, you know, um, iteration of the protocol. Which of these features are implemented in Cisco access points today? Uh, can you talk about that? Which one yeah, are, sure, which one aren't, sure, sure, and sure why? Sure can, sure can. A couple things. I want to break down a little bit for people to understand. You know, you hear this Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi. How come I never heard about Wi-Fi 5 or Wi-Fi 3 or 2 or 1, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I wanted to just break it down a little bit and say that you mentioned IEEE. You know, the IEEE writes the spec, the 802.11ax spec or the AC spec, right? The Wi-Fi Alliance takes elements of that and decides what they're going to test for interoperability, okay? So the, when your question is, what, what are we doing? We obviously want to put the things in our new AP that the Wi-Fi Alliance is testing for interoperability. Okay. okay. So let's look at those. Things like the OFDMA is very important. Things like multi-user MIMO, the ability to send data to multiple clients at the same time is very important. So, so MU MIMO or multi-user MIMO happened in, in .11ac or Wi-Fi 5, if you want to rewrite history and go backward. That was in there in wave two, the last part of it. Very few clients are capable of doing multi-user MIMO. With Wi-Fi 6, it becomes table stakes. It just happens. So that's very interesting. When you, when you look at some of the elements of IEEE, IEEE has something called OFDMA in yeah. the uplink and the downlink. Okay, yeah. and what they're saying there is, is that, you know, to, to, to give you a quick, quick overview of OFDMA versus OFDM, if you think of a channel, say 20 meg wide, and a bunch of single little micro channels or carriers that are in that 20 meg segment, with OFDM, it takes those micro carriers and says, I'm going to put, you know, Bob's data on one little carrier and Bill's data on the other little carrier, you know, until I fill up and send it out. The problem is, is if, if Bob's data or your data is just one little chunk, I waste the entire carrier sending your little chunk out, right? OFDMA says, I'm going to take those little subcarriers and I'll make lots more of them and I'm going to put multiple people on them, you know, multiple people's data on them. And this is how the latency is reduced. The reason I'm telling you this story is to, is to tell you that you can do that in the uplink or the downlink, meaning downlink from the AP down to the client or from the client up to the AP. Well, some of the access points that are early to market, like, for example, we have an 8x8, it does not do OFDM 
A in the uplink because the chipset just doesn't do it today. Okay. We've got other APs that do. The you know we have three APs in our product line today, and not 9115, 9117. The 15 is a four by four. The 17 is an eight by eight. And then we have a cool thing called a 9120. Hopefully, we'll have some time to talk about yeah, that. Sure. <laughs> but but those are the three that, that are out of the gate today. Out of those three out of the gate, only the eight by eight will have trouble in the in the Wi-Fi Alliance getting certification because it doesn't do OFDMA in the uplink. The other two do, okay. and it's a piece of the chipsets. Why? Okay, so the chipset is not ready yet. That's what you're saying. Well, what um, I'm saying is, is is the eight by eight that we used on this particular okay. AP wasn't ready. See, the thing is, is there are a lot of chipsets from our competitors and even our you know our sister companies and things that that have products that don't do OFDMA in the uplink simply because they wanted to be first to market with a product yeah. and the chipset didn't have it. Okay. And, and this is the, the problem we have with 8x8, right? Do I want to come out with a product today, this 8x8, to satisfy requests for proposals and, and, and it gives somebody something early, yeah. you know, or do you want to come out with something that's a standards-based? We are a standards-based company, so we will follow up another 8x8 that will do it in both directions. Okay. But There's a lot to be gained by an 8x8, even without it. And the chipsets that you're referring to, though, they're not Cisco chipsets. These are Well, the, the Wi-Fi chipsets that are out there, okay, when you say they're not Cisco chipsets, well, yes and no, okay? In the past, we've worked with Marvell, and we, which, who's a company that does chipsets, right? And we walked to Marvell and said, look, we want our own custom silicon into your chipset. We're going to you know, weave it around and make things like clean air and high-end things that we haven't done before. The problem with that is, is that, you know, in any point in time, certain technologies, companies are farther than others, right? And, and, and I have no technology religion. So I will use a Qualcomm, a Broadcom, a Marvell in a heartbeat to satisfy what our customers want today if they have it today, right? And we've kind of hedged our bets a little bit on that 9120. And I want to talk about that in the RFASIC in a yeah. bit, why that matters when you look at different manufactured chipsets. So, so the 9115 is using uh, Broadcom and well, then 9117 Qualcomm? Well, that yeah. And okay. I, I don't really try to get wrapped around too much of who's making the chipset okay. because it's temporal. <laughs> in, a, yeah. in other words, if I, if I can rev that chip in the manufacturing cycle, change it, make it better, whatever, I'm going to improve it as we go on. Okay. You know, or we'll do it with new models. You know. Okay. And that, I think for us, you know, engineers, that's that's what's yeah. kind of hard for us because we hear Wi-Fi six. The customers hears Wi-Fi six, and they think like Wi-Fi six is is kind of like, the know, next everything, best thing. Right. It'll everything fix checked. everyone's problems, yeah. but they don't understand the technicalities of what's un what's under the hood, right? right. And what's the possibilities there? Oh, absolutely. Because like when you look at an eight by eight AP, and you're like, well, why do I need an eight by eight AP? What's mm -hmm. wrong with a four by four, right? Well. If you have an 8x8 AP, that's eight receivers that can hear that weak client versus an AP with only four receivers that can hear that right. weak client. And, right? and that, that's so, a good point because a lot of customers actually go and say, well, if most of my clients are 2x2, why do I need a 4x4 or be, the 8x8? Because the 4x4 or 8x8 are all that many receivers that can hear the weak signal. In other words, years ago, you had one radio and two antennas. If I had a problem on one antenna, I just switched the antenna you know, for multipath reflections. Now it's like... Just throw radios at the antennas, you know, and then, then, then when you do something, all of them hear it, and then they just pick it out of the noise yeah. much better. So let's let's talk about the Cisco APs, right? Okay. So you guys introduced new Wi-Fi 6 APs. 
how could we compare the new models with the previous generation of uh, APs, you know, 2838, well, uh, you, 15? You, okay, you, you mentioned 2838. For years, we've called them Cisco Aeronet APs because yeah. we've been making Cisco Aeronet APs since, Aeronet since 91 and, and Cisco since 2000. The Aeronet brand is a very important brand, okay? It, you know, I've got a lot of lot invested in that, having worked in it for as long as I have. And when Cisco said they're going to change the name to Catalyst, I'm like, oh, what the, why would you do that, you know? And and The, someone, OS, the OS is changing, right? Well, That's probably that, why. part of it's the OS, and part yeah. of it is also someone said to me, Fred, what is Cisco's very best product line? Catalyst. So why wouldn't you want your very best APs to be called Catalyst? And by the way, the same people that make the Alfa Romero car designs and all that Pininfarina, you know, we're going to hire them to redesign these access points and make them smaller, make them look better. We're going to put more money into the Aeronet, now Cisco Catalyst line from other sources other than just us guys in Richfield, Ohio. You know, we're, we're really doing a lot of things. So, so I'm really excited about it. Okay. So, so can you compare the previous generation to the new sure. one? And if you, how? Sure. If you look at the lineup, like 1800, you know, 2838, you know, the first two new APs out of the gate, the, the 9115 and 9117, those are like the 1850 and 1830 series okay. APs. They're, they're early to market and they're standards-based, okay, which means... Whatever's in the Wi-Fi standards, we're going to put into this AP, and, and they're early to market. Now, the 9120 is more like the 2800 series. Okay. It's not completely highest end, best in class, but it's got lots of the cool best in class things the 28s and 3800s had. Okay. Things like dual 5 gig and, and, and many other features. So could we expect another new Wi-Fi 6 AP to replace the 3800? Well, the, or the 4800 you should or ask 40, me about, okay. right? Yeah. So, so the 4800, let's talk about that for a minute. The 4800 is the very best access point we make today, okay? It's got hyperlocation, can find you. It's got, you know, it can do dual 5 gig. It's got the, it's got the clean air Cognio chipset built into all of that, right? When it also has something called client link. Client link is a beam forming mechanism to send a strong signal to a legacy client, a pre mm. a pre AC client, like a dot eleven N client, for example, right? So that's a really high end. That that goes all the way to our, our highest end AP. So, you know, as far as a future thing goes, okay, the, the first one is the ninety one twenty. Down the road, we will have other ones that are more like that 4800. Okay. But right now, they're not released. And I don't want to talk too much about futures because we've got a really cool 2800-like okay. version. Yeah, let's talk about this one. out today. Okay, let's talk about it, uh, 9120. Yes. Okay. So can you can you just explain what's very cool with this yes. new AP? One of the questions was er, that was asked earlier from, uh, is he said, well, what, what chipset are you using? Well, well, let me talk about Wi-Fi chipsets for a second, okay? There's something called DFS, where if you hear a radar signal, you have to get off this, the, the channel, right? We've designed in the 9120 a special software-defined radio that we call an RF ASIC. Well, what's an ASIC? ASIC is application-specific integrated circuit, but, but basically what it is is it's custom silicon to do unique things. So rather than work like we did before on previous products with Marvell, where we, we took our own IP and 
put it into, into their silicon. We've done our own software radio that's totally separate. Now, why would I care about that? Well, think about this. Marvell might do one kind of DFS algorithm. Qualcomm, Broadcom, they all do different ones. Well, if you've got a radar signal, I want RRFASIC to trump that, kind of like an AND gate, right? So it's like, okay, I got a, a false detect of a radar signal here from my Wi-Fi chipset of whoever manufacturer I happen to have used at the time. What if it's not true? What if it's really not a radar signal? The RFASIC goes, I'm a full spectrum analyzer. I'll look at that thing. I'll determine whether that's really interference. And if it is, then I'll take you off the air. Otherwise, stay on the bear, in the, on the air. Okay. So resiliency and keeping it a lot, you know, keeping that, that performance up is what that's all about. So it reduces the false positive and, and exactly. the downtime. Uh, and the downtime, yeah. if, especially like if you have certain frequencies in Europe where you have to be off the channel for 600 seconds. Okay. Put that RFASIC over there and let it go do that stuff with your software radio while you're servicing clients on a radio channel you can use and then pick it up later. So, so that's only one small advantage of this RFASIC. The other thing about the RFASIC is because it's a separate radio altogether, it can do WIPs and WIDs and security monitoring and every, all of that as well. And the 9120 versus the other two. Remember that the first two I told you were like the 1830-1850 series. They, they are entry level. The 9120 has things in it like a Zigbee gateway. It has the ability to do dual five gig like the 3800-2800 does. So, okay. so if I could do an eight by eight AP, that's a standard based eight by eight, or I could take a 9120 with the RFASIC and all that advantage and take the two five gig radios and do dual five. So basically, I'm doing eight by eight just on two different channels, and I'm able to do that and reduce the spectrum you know, utilization on each channel. Okay, so so the RF ASICs it's a specific uh, radio, so it's not serving any clients, but it's used to pretty much optimize everything else. Correct. The RF ASIC okay. doesn't serve clients, but unlike the previous RF ASICs that we yeah. have done on on like the 4800 and, and things. We can transmit on that antenna too if we want. So I can do client containment yeah. perhaps with that mm. radio rather than waste time with a servicing radio. Also, there's some things that are hardware-wise. When I tell you that's a full spectrum analyzer, uh, think about this. If you shut your eyes and you hear a male voice and a female voice, you can tell the difference, right? Yeah. But it isn't until you know me and those in this room that you have to kind of learn that's Fred's voice, that's his voice, you know. You know so. Think about if you had a full analyzer and every radio signal on the air has a voice and you could machine learn that voice, okay? Think about the, the, the thing about this, and this is a software future thing. The reason I'm even talking about it right now is because the RFASIC is hardware capable of this, okay? okay? okay. But, but, but think about this, like Cisco's encrypted traffic analysis. I can't see the traffic, but I know it, I'm looking for malware. If I could look at a signal, two Wi-Fi signals, without caring about MAC address, without caring about anything, and go, you're this one, you're that one. If you try to spoof him, I know who you are before you've even really done anything on the Ethernet side.
So is it, is it what you call RF signatures? Yes. Okay. All right. So what about packet captures? Packet captures are, are much like with the 4800. The 4800, you can take that third radio in the 4800 and do packet captures while you're servicing clients. Okay. We can do this with the 9120 as well. Okay. The only advantage with the 4800 is because it has hyperlocation, you can do a packet capture and stitch it all together with with where you are on the map. Okay. And you, you can't really do that with the 9120, but you'll probably do that with a future unit. And could you do like smart uh, packet capture? Like if you detect something that's not going right, you just start packaging, uh, capturing some packets. To oh, try a- absolutely! That okay. that is hole in the Cisco DNA. You know. Yeah, yeah. We've heard that, it about it this yeah, morning. It, yeah. it, you know, it, and again, the product. It, it's very when you make a product, you're making a piece of hardware, right? You've got to make the very best hardware because the software comes along later, right? I mean, you know, if, if you're a software programmer, you can't write a cool program if you don't have the hardware to work with it, right? So we've just kicked out this really cool new hardware, right? As we start software doing things with it, you know, the, some of the questions that you're asking all of a sudden start to become really granular. We're able to do all of those things, you okay. know, but, but we have to get time on that chipset. So talking about software and the different you know version of iOS we we're dealing with now. So we have iOS XE with the Catalyst line, and we have AirOS. Mm-hmm. So will all of these new features will be uh, will be supported on both platforms? Or well, hard? iOS XE I believe is 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 where we're going with that. Okay. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm I'm a radio hardware guy. You know, I, okay. I design the APs and write the deployment guide. So software is not my thing that much. You know. Okay. Okay, because all of my questions were going to go to the software, but. <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of one going to iOS XC because of the capability there, the programmability you have there. Sure. But I wonder if that's also going to be of uh, are we going to have anything available or access to the RF ASIC as well? Like, are Good we going to be able to have um, like API metrics. access or something yeah. to like gather these metrics or even we, act we, on? We something? have a program. If you if you if you roll back time a little bit, when we had the thirty eight hundred, it had a module right? We're not done with modules. But anyway, the module has something that we call the Cisco Aeronet developer platform, okay? And so if you were going to make a module for the AP, and, and we have like Imago Tag and other people have made like electronic price shelving modules, right? Our Aeronet developer program is, you know, this ADP program is where we connect you for when you're building something, right? And the RFASIC may very well dovetail into that as we get some time on the AP. Remember, we, we're just coming out with this new 9120. You know, the things that are in the RFASIC, you know, are, because it's a completely software-definable radio, and it's and it's got, I mean, it, this actually looks at the data, the IQ layer, the, the very lowest layer, and feeds it in. So there's nothing on the RF we can't see with that RFASIC, mm-hmm. right? So the question is that you have is, are we going to pull that out and make that available for third parties? And I think so. In fact, uh, you know, and I think it just, it, it, it's a matter of, of putting time into that yeah, yeah. and getting that spun up. Yeah, because I think there's a lot of possibility there, right? Uh, you have this RF ASIC that can do some sort of fingerprinting, RF fingerprinting or signatures, as you say, and then even collect data from other people to 
create more accurate signatures and be able to quickly show a signature out there and go, okay, here's a signature coming from this specific camera. And someone could probably have the same type of camera, but not know what, what the, how to pick up on that signature until it's shared somewhere to like, I don't know, like the DevNet. Right, exactly. I, I think we need to open up DevNet and, and you know, the Aeronet Developer Program, which is DevNet, by the way. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's tied in with DevNet. I think we need to build that up because it's kind of like if you look at the Yang models and things, people want to be able to just pull and do what they want out of things. And that's a phenomenal radio that, that I just, you know, I'm looking at that radio going, God, we need to open that up if we could because the, the, the things that you can do with it are amazing. What was it like creating a radio like that? You say you're a hardware guy. Mm -hmm. So what's involved with creating a radio or a piece of hardware that's vastly different from what's out there today well it's really challenging because one of the things if you look at the the new ap's that we have the new dot 11 ax ap's or wi-fi 6 ap's every one of those unlike the 4800 has some mode that it can run in at 15.4 watts you know at the lower 802.3 af power right so the first thing that happens when you design an ap is you got to think, well, am I going to run on AF 15.4 watt, or am I going to run on AT 30 watt, or am I going to run on UPOE? I need more than 30 watt, you, you know. And then, so, so, so you're building this AP, and you and you tell yourself, okay, uh, do I want to put a USB port on it? And let let people take power out of it, right? Well, do they need that? That's the first discussion, right? Then the second discussion is, well, it's table stakes. The competitor's got one. I got to have one on mine, or I'll lose the RFP. Blah blah blah. Well, that's two watts. That you give up right out of that out of because whether you use it or not, that port needs two watts, okay? And is reserved. You take that RFA sync, that separate, complete, full spectrum analyzer radio. That's another two watts. Yeah, you, you, you know, you, you know, things take power. Then not only do things take power, you're going to put multi gigabit Ethernet on there. Well, that magnetics takes power too. So the next thing is you have a thermal problem. You know, as things that take power, things get warm. Turn on light bulbs, you got heat, right? So now you got to get rid of that heat. Well, you want a big punk of aluminum on the back of it? We did that on the 3800s and the 4800s because I want that AP to run in a freeze cold Kroger freezer in a, in a place in a in a steel mill where they're pouring hot molten you know mm -hmm. iron and I want that AP not to fail right a lot of people say well you know I, a lot of people can make a lighter AP and then they they well you know you're just going to put it in a carpet area anyway hell with you you know and if they put it in a in a in a Goodyear tire plant in Indiana and the robots are running the tires around and the AP fails and it's 35 feet in the ceiling the answer is and I'm going to give you another AP and a cute jacket or pair of socks to go with it you, you know you need some you, know, you need it to not fail yeah. right so you our some sort of durability so our it. products you know a lot of times I, you know people laugh is he going to pour water on it you know I'll do a talk and I'll pour water throw the darn thing across the room because I put my paycheck on the fact I throw that across the room, pick it up, and it'll still work, right? And if you go on eBay today and look at an old 350 AP that we did in 2001, go buy one on eBay, a damn thing will still work. Well, we run 11 meg, but it works. You know? I mean, we don't make them to fail, and that's another problem in the hardware design. How do I design this thing so it doesn't fail, but doesn't pooch out and get too ugly, doesn't get too heavy? You know, all of that's a balancing act, you know? So, so... I'm kind of proud of the things that we do with these products to keep them, you know, as robust as they are. So, Fred, what about like 9120? Like, I do see that that's pretty good, though. Like, you know, it looks much nicer aesthetic-wise. Is it still that durability, all that stuff that is, was in the previous ones will still... Yes, but 
And what's the but? He's, he's got a but. <laughs> Damn it, it's got a but. Yes, but if you take the 9120 and you look at it, and you take, you know, a, another AP, some of our APs have dual Ethernet ports on it. There's no dual Ethernet port on that 9120, is there? I jettison that port because I don't want the heat and I don't want the weight, right? The other thing is local power. You know, that, 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 that 3800's got a power jack. I can just feed it with 48 direct into that. I got rid of that on the 9120 because if I put a power supply in there, bridge rectifier, capacitor, things I need in there to, to do that, I'm getting heat, I'm getting size, I'm getting weight, and I'm getting aluminum. You know, so, so yes, we've cut back, we've made some point changes going, you know, if you need local power, you can just go get yourself power injector. They're not that expensive. We're done with this. We're not putting it in the AP, right? So we've made those kinds of design changes, but none that I think really impact the customer. Not, not the customer that cares about quality, at least, you know, and performance. Did you design a 9120 uh, that supports external antennas? Yes, but okay. it's not out yet. Okay. <laughs> and and, and I'll, let, let's talk a little bit about external antennas, okay? Yeah. We have this connector that we call a dart connector. It's a little square square box antenna, you know, antenna connector. We start, it first found its way into 3800. And, yeah. and what's nice about it is, is, is if you look at a typical AP with four connectors on the top of it that the dipole screw to, right? Yeah. By default, those are your antennas on an external unit. So when you take a unit out of the box and put the dipoles on it, it's dual band, 2.4 and 5 gig. If you take a 9120, the new external model, or you take a, say, a 3800, and you plug the dart connector in, the XOR radio inside, in other words, that AP by default is 2.4 and 5 gig. If I plug a dart in, there's another radio, there's 2.4 or 5 gig that now flows out the dart. So if I decide I want to use two dual 5 gig in, you know, if I want to do dual 5 gigahertz APs, I use the dart, I plug it in, and now I've got a dart antenna external for 5 gig and an internal on the top of the RPT and C connectors. And so I can have an omni and a directional, yeah. or two omnis. I can mix and match, do whatever I want. 9120 will be the same way. Okay. And the dart connector will be used as well then? The dart, the dart connector will be used on the 9120. Okay. The thing about the dart is we're improving upon it. Okay, we, we are we are creating. There's a, a bunch of antennas that are popular with Cisco, like the 2566, the 6 dBi yeah. patch antenna. Yeah. Right? We're going to put a 2566 with a dart on it. Okay. Okay. So rather than have to plug in a dart adapter and screw things in and all that, I can just take that antenna, jam it right in, and I'm done. And um, I don't really talk about futures too much, but I've. Uh, You know, as you start to look at these 8x8 APs wanting external antennas, I might have a dual dart in the, in the wings. <laughs> just, just let you know that, you know, and, and, as, and as I start doing hyperlocation and needing, needing more antennas and things, you know, that dart plays a big part of it. In fact, one of our uh, uh, partners right behind us here is Exceltex, and they've got a small patch antenna with a dart on it already. Oh, so we're so actually working with partners yeah, that's to good. get that dart antenna and self-identifying antennas Up off the ground. So, is it like an uh, the dart? Is it like an open uh, connector, or is it like proprietary? Well, dart. You know, I put an acronym on dart. I call it digital analog radio termination. Digital okay. because there's 16 lines of digital on that dart connector, and there's four analog antenna ports on that connector. Right? It's an, actually an Amphenol proprietary connector. We've worked with Amphenol for a long time, and we kind of own that connector for the most part. Okay. And We're trying to make that antenna connector 
the antenna connector for things like like Wi-Fi 6 antennas and things. So we're, we're adding a little bit of smarts to it. And again, back to the Aeronet developer program, we're trying to, to feed into that so that if somebody does want to make an antenna with a dart on it, you know, the, the nice thing about that is, is, is when the, as we do self-identifying antennas, if I know you plugged in an outrageously high gain antenna, 13 dBi or something, on an AP that only supports 6 dBi, I'm hoping in software to have the dart auto-recognize the antenna, see that its gain is too high, set the antenna gain on the AP internally to fix it. So is it a smart connector? Yes, it is. It's a smart dart. <laughs> a smart dart. There you go. <laughs> exactly. All right. Oh, you got anything else, Cooper? Yeah, it's a, it's a cool time. I mean, it's 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 a you know, I'll talk about some things in general till we run out of however much time we got here. But um, you you know, the, it's cool because not only are you are you bringing the latency down, or you're making things all, all better. But but the thing is, is if you take an AP today, like a 4800, 4800 with that client link and everything else. It's a rockin' AP today and will serve you for a couple years, really. When you look at what at .11ax, okay, the reason these products are out early is if I'm a college or university, I don't want to say I'm running Wi-Fi 5. I want to say I got, the, I got six, I got the latest one, right? But think about this. The 4800 with client link, and so we pulled client link out of the AX APs, by the way, you know, because it only helps legacy clients. When you go to AX, I want you to get to AX. I don't want to keep trying to support these legacy clients. I want, to, I want you to jettison them because your network won't be improved with AX till you get clients at at least 30% or more in your network. Because all of these cool things with OFDMA and latency and everything, you know, it doesn't help if all your clients don't know how to do multi-user MIMO, don't know how to do OFDMA, you know. So you need to get clients there and we think that clients are going to get there faster than they did before. Because, you know, usually it takes three years, to maybe even four years. How long was it before you went from .11n to AC? And how long, how long did it take to go from AC wave one to AC wave two? You, you know, there's a couple years in those, in those things, right? So, so we want these AXAPs or Wi-Fi 6 APs out there now to support the clients as they come up. And we're working with partners like Samsung and, and others, you know, to make sure that seamless roaming happens from 5G right to Wi-Fi 6 and to make sure that those chipsets work really well with, with Wi-Fi 6 APs. Can you go into any detail of how you do the testing, like what it's like to... Like, yeah, when I, you're working I'm with... Sure you've got hundreds of those devices. We do. And, and, and what's funny about that is, is we have like... Um, we do Cisco Barcelona and Mobile World Congress, right? And, and Jim Florwick's one of the guys that, that does that knock or that, that, that center. And he tracks client use every year, right? And the thing is, is client throughput in, in, in terabytes goes up and up and up and up every year, right? It, but but if you look at how the throughput went up, and then you look at how the technology changed, throughput went up when you know when you when we went from N to AC, the efficiencies in the RF kept the channel utilization the same. So yeah. while we keep moving faster, more and more terabytes, the channel utilization, how long you're on the air, seems to remain fixed. Right, and and that's the idea with 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 that 11 AX or Wi-Fi 6 is is have terabytes of data flowing in a big place, and have your channel utilization the same and your user experience better. 
So is Wi-Fi 6, will Wi-Fi 6 fix all of our Wi-Fi issues? No. <laughs> let, let, let's put it this way. If, if you have a bad design already, Wi-Fi may help that. But what I would tell you to do, if you're, about to, if you're looking to deploy Wi-Fi 6, look at it and say, now's a great time to reevaluate what your network looks like today. Forget about Wi-Fi 6 just for a moment. Does this network suck now? Do I have dead spots? Do I have things that are not good now, right? And think about that as you lay out the Wi-Fi 6 new APs. Maybe you need a few more than you thought, you know, to cover those areas. But, you know, reevaluate things. You, you, you know, assumption is the mother of all hmm, somethings. You know, I mean, you can, you can, you know, when you assume, it, you know, two things. You, you, you know, you don't want to assume. You want to rethink about stuff. You know, and confidence is really the feeling you have before you fully understand the situation. <laughs> you know, so don't go into it too confident. You know, go into it and think about what I want to do and, and do it. There's a lot of things. Ekahau, one of our partners that are here uh, today, they've got site survey utilities now for Wi-Fi 6. A lot of things out there to, to, to help you. And, and we're constantly on the writing deployment guides and papers and things. So like Wi-Fi 6 won't fix bad designs for sure. No, nothing does. But it, but it will make the user experience Much better. better. If, if your latency goes way down and you're able to get on the air faster, you know, and, and even like, you know, um, 1024 QAM, it has been introduced in Wi-Fi 6 too. So now you've yeah. got more complex modulation. So with a one channel, one radio, you know, the thing is, is a lot of times you're only having a device, one radio because of battery life. If I have more complex modulation, 1024 QAM, I instantly get a 30% bump in throughput just with the with 1024 QAM, which is MCS uh, 1011 or whatever it is, and that helps you because you actually can get those cells, you know, reasonably well. So you know, your overall speed goes up, latency goes down, and your experience is better. In your experience with the testing, how likely is it to get 1024 QAM? Like, uh, I've heard people say that's probably never going to happen because you need the AP directly above you. you need right, you have close. to be immediately close by. But that all. changes because of OFDMA. Well, it changes because, see, here's the thing. OFDMA, if, if you pick a channel, remember, you can bond. You can go 20 meg, 30, you know, 20, 40, 80, 160 meg, whatever. If you're in a 20 meg spectrum, and now you have much more subcarriers because yeah. you put them together. Those subcarriers, those subcarriers are smaller, so they're easily they're more easy to be heard, and they can run higher power in many Your cases. Your SNRs probably Ex goes through exactly. much better. Exactly. So I can use that really complex modulation and get a decent cell. In fact, I've got a presentation on Wednesday morning, and I've got some plots that I show what, what it looks like with 1024 QAM. In, in a cell, hmm. and it's actually doable. It's okay. quite doable. Oh, that's interesting. Looking forward to that. And so OFDMA, like if, if we want to test OFDMA at home, how many devices do we need to be actually able to... <laughs> well, to you know, it, it's funny because, you know, it, that's the, the, if you go back 10, 15 years, okay, people would complain, hey, you know, I take a client, I power it up, and I connect to a Cisco AP, and I'm right under it. And I walk 300 feet or 20, right underneath another one, and the damn thing doesn't roam. Why? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, we'll move some traffic. You know, oh, moves instantly, right? Well, the point was is, is that if, if I'm connected and I'm not moving traffic, why would I want to cause a roam event and make RF noise? I wouldn't, right? And the case with OFDMA is if I've got one client and I got OFDMA or I don't have OFDMA, 
I don't have enough there to see a difference. In fact, I'm going to turn around and say, you know what? I, you know, I, I got a Wi-Fi 6 and a Wi-Fi 6 client. I got them on a table. And I got an OFDMA or an OFDM Wi-Fi 5. Hell, the Wi-Fi 5 is performing better than the 6. Yeah, really? Well, why don't you load up about 30 to 80 users on that AP? And all of a sudden, damn, this Wi-Fi 6 rocks. But, you know, again, you need it. You got to have at least 15, 30 users on an AP hammering it really hard to see OFDMA to be, even be worth anything to you. Okay, mm -hmm. so do you guys have a threshold in the AP that tells the AP, okay, now you start using OFDMA? No, or? it's all on a per packet. It, 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 you know, the AP looks at the client, what's the client's capabilities, and I'm going to return to the client what it can send. So if the AP, okay. if the client supports OFDMA, we're sending OFDMA out. You know, if the client doesn't, we send OFDM out. Okay. And we have to contend. It's almost kind of like having that noisy old .11B client that wants to make noise and be on the air all the time against this really rocking one, right? I mean, it's not that bad. But, but my point is, is that you'll want to get to Wi-Fi 6 clients for that that you know, holy grail, promised, happy hoo-ha. You know, everybody's always telling you, buy this, it's better and faster. Yeah, right. Well, to see that, you need Wi-Fi 6 clients. You really do. Which means we'll see a big improvement in situations like here in a conference yeah. or uh, in lecture halls, high very high-density exactly. environments. Exactly. That's really what it's for, or even school systems. You know, you, you know you've got a, you know, you got grade school and you got kids in, in room after room after room and overlapping and all that and, and they don't have an RF guy that can do that kind of stuff all of a sudden some of the benefits of Wi-Fi 6 kind of go in there and band-aid over the problems that, that, that a good RF engineer wouldn't have done right I mean I'm not saying that's a good thing but 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 the net take is the person who has very little AP experience can put a Wi-Fi 6 in in a high density area and go wow this is much better you know and they can actually see it so do you think um, we'll have Wi-Fi 6 deployed next year at Cisco Live? Do you think we'll have That's the APs? That's our goal. We, we, had wi -Fi, okay. we had some early Wi-Fi 6 in Barcelona, and we've got some early Wi-Fi 6 here, right? Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm talking so, like the full-on venue with external right. antennas. And, well, we'll see how far the clients get. You know, the okay. clients are supposed to happen in 2020. Early 2020 okay. is when they start appearing. See, the, the thing about it is, you know, if, if somebody told me like right now, I'm going to buy an AP. Should I buy a Wi-Fi 6 AP or should I buy one of them 4800s that, that, that Cisco calls their best-in-class, best-in-breed, right? And I would, t I would look at you and I would tell you, well, what do you got now? And, and what I mean by what do you got now is do you keep things for five, eight years? I mean, if you, if you, if you don't buy APs regular, look, I buy something and then I, I live in, the, in that world for a very long time, I would say buy a Wi-Fi 6 AP now because you know, you're not going to get that opportunity. But if you told me, you know what, in two or three years, I'm going to be buying another AP anyway, I wouldn't know what to tell you. I'd say, you know what, maybe I'd buy that 4800 because right now that's the very best and, and does legacy client, does that. You know, your experience will be better with a 4800 until you get Wi-Fi 6 clients right, yeah. in there, right? So so the, it really becomes kind of a vexing thing. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, there it's damn hard to beat a 4800 or 3800 or even a 2800. You know, those are, yeah. are really rocking good APs. And these Wi-Fi 6 APs, they're the first two, you know, the, eight, the, you know, the, the 9115 and 17, they're early out the gate standards base, so they're more like the 1800 series yeah. than, than they are the 28s and 38s yeah. today. Okay. Can you um, talk about 
WPA3 support and OWE? Are these, are these? Not a lot because I don't follow it too much, but WPA3 comes with Wi-Fi 6. So all of the new APs support WPA3. Okay. Is it going to be a requirement at the Wi-Fi Alliance? Yes. To get the WPA3 Wi-Fi 6 WPA3 is a requirement, yes. Okay. Good. You know, the, the, the thing that the only thing that some manufacturers have had problems with are is the OFDMA and the uplink, as I mentioned before, yeah. because some of the early chipsets didn't support it because, you know, the, the spec. You know, and this is the same like when you look at multi-user MIMO, right? Yeah. Multi-user MIMO, people confuse the two. They're totally different. But mm. with multi-user MIMO, when I talk down to clients at the same time, that's downstream multi-user MIMO. Upstream multi-user MIMOs in the spec, but that may be like an uh, Wi-Fi six wave two kind of thing. And in, in, in other words, it's it's you know it's very hard to do multi-user MIMO because I have to find users in different parts physically in the area because I'm going to beam form to one and anti-beam form to the other. You know, and it's very complex. But but my point is is those things. You know, the WFA, the Wi-Fi Alliance, is saying, look, multi-user MIMO has to be in there, OFDMA and uplink and downlink must be in there. So we got one AP that's got a little problem there, you know, and like I said, a lot of our, almost everybody has that problem because the chipsets yeah. didn't think they'd have to do it. Okay. I guess to wrap up, Yeah. what are you looking most forward to? Like, what, what what's coming out that, or, you know, with the APs out, what are you most excited about? You know, having that completely software-defined radio in that 9120, that RFASIC, okay, that radio isn't being used to its full capacity in the 9120, meaning that radio has the full capability of hyperlocation if there's a, the right array and the right hardware behind it. That RFASIC has the ability of doing things that nobody else could even dream of doing because you can't if you don't have it in the hardware you can't make the software do it right you, you know so i'm looking at that RFASIC thinking man i'm going to be able to do things with that i can't do with any other ap and then when it comes to the competition it's like i have everything they have and i have this too and it's like damn yeah you know and it takes good rf design to do that in other words if you want to design something like that RFASIC, even things like I want to hear everything on the air with that software radio. I don't want my own oscillators, my own circuitry to cause noise. We yanked some of that stuff out of the damn RFASIC, got it shielded away from it. I got that, I got that RFASIC is sitting there. You know, it's a pristine method to hear everything and make decisions on that stuff. And, and the whole machine learning thing, and like I was talking about with encrypted packet analysis, that whole thing of going... I know who you are, I know who you are, I know what the interference is in the air, I know everything. You, you know, I'm looking to, to hopefully see an RFASIC version 2 or some, some other things that, 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 you know, um, I, that I can't talk about, that, 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 that I think is really cool. Could that be like a module, uh, like I think like a 3700? Yeah, but, well okay. see, we, we've done, and it's kind of funny about modules. You know, we've done modules all the way back. If you look at the AP3600, okay? When the 3600 was made, Bluetooth did not exist. We put a module in the 3600, gave it full hyperlocation and Bluetooth right. afterward, after the fact, right? So we have modules on, there's always a product in our line with a module. Today it's 3800. There will be a Wi-Fi 6 with a module, right? And we have, we're already working with partners on what we can do in that module far beyond 
what we're doing today with modules, you know, and, and, and we did the dual five, you know, the dual five gigahertz, that all kind of happened based on, on early development with modules. You know, we wanted mm-hmm. to be able to, to do isolation and, you know, you know, so even things like the cellular, you know, there was a cellular module for one of the APs at one time. We put cellular filters on the AP so that it could coexist with that. So, so a lot of the APs that we design, especially with the modules, they have hardware things we don't talk about. We just put it in there, and then all of a sudden we start turning things on. It's like, where'd that come from? Well, I was in there. We just didn't tell you about it. You know that kind of thing. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Okay, appreciate. It. Thank you, Fred. Thanks. Great. So this has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I want to thank all of you for joining us today, especially to Fred for sharing his insight and Rowell, Francois, and Goupreet for sharing uh, and for hosting today's session. Look for this episode and other episodes on iTunes and Cisco.com slash go slash CCR. I'm Brett Shore. I played the part of today's moderator and I'll see you next time.